Just hours away from the start of the season and excitement is building. Wes Goldberg and I will let you know what to watch out for and what to expect next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. This episode of Locked On Heat is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I am loving it. Just hours away from tip-off at FTX Arena and taking on the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. I'll be there from shoot-around to the final buzzer to bring you everything you need to know about the game. But to help me squeeze in one final preview before that game, it's my co-host on Locked on NBA and the creator of the West Side Substack and a man obsessed with Bam Adebayo's three-point shooting, it's Wes Goldberg. <laughs> that was, uh, it's been a big week for me, David. Uh, not only did I launch uh, my Substack, which uh, you are being nice enough to let me plug on your show here, but also here in the Lockdown Podcast Network, we got sponsored by McDonald's. Yep. Which I got to tell you, man, it's a pleasure of mine to to eat. It's like a guilty pleasure for me to have McDonald's. I'm not sure if sure. that's like in, you know, in accordance with our advertising policy to call it a guilty pleasure. But uh, I'm usually, you know, this about me. I'm a pretty health conscious guy. Like, I, you know, I love my built bars and things like that. But um, I went on a road trip recently through, across the country and I couldn't, I, I was more excited to, I think, eat like McDonald's on the road. Like yeah. eating McDonald's in the car is yes. like one of the great, pleasures of the human experience it really is like being yes. able to go through a drive-through order something from like that megaphone thingy yep. and 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 pull away with a bag full of burgers and fries is what really separates us from i think the other primates you know what i mean like i i'm yeah, so yeah. excited that we now a couple have a other things but sure yeah no I, I guess mcdonald's is up there uh <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah you're absolutely right like it, i have found it I love going on road trips. I love, I've driven through all kinds of rural areas over the course of my lifetime. And, and yet you will always find that one weird out of nowhere McDonald's. That's just, yes. is, it's like a, beacon it's every, of there's light. always one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And you can go there and no matter how late it is or how early it is, the person behind the, the, the you know, the, the counter will always help you out there. And yes, McDonald's is, it's an institution without a doubt. No, I, they don't I mean, need our help. I mean, if they, you're like you said, they're like, they're the most, it's like the most famous logo in the world. Like right. it's really cool that they're, they're sponsoring lockdown podcast, the, the lockdown podcast network. But uh, I don't know. It was just, it, it was like more of like a, Hey, we made it. Cause you and I have been part of the lockdown podcast network since it literally started in 2016. Yeah. And uh, the idea that we would one day be doing McDonald's reads, you know, right. was yeah. just, that was just, I still have my first uh, check. And I think it was like for a dollar and 12 cents from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Why did you get 12 cents more than I did, Wes? I don't know. <laughs> Is that true? Did I? Do you remember that? No, I know. No, I don't oh, remember okay. getting it. I didn't get a check for a dollar, but it was it was around there, though. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Too far off. yeah. I don't know. Just uh, I, th I thought it was really cool. I just wanted to shout out. And yeah, McDonald's. Work. I mean, they had Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and now the Lockdown Podcast Network. That's it makes right. sense. <laughs> it's us, <laughs> Travis Scott, Jay Balvin. Like, let's go. <laughs> well, I guess we should talk about heat basketball. Well, one more McDonald's, but what's your go-to there? Like, do you have like you have oh, yeah. to? Everybody does. What is it? Uh quarter pounder with cheese, no pickles, medium fried diet coke. 
Nice. Okay. And wow. actually, if I'm if, if I'm being really really honest with you, David. Yeah. Uh, I went like full fat boy on this road trip. I'd also get a six piece McNugget with sweet and sour sauce. That is back in my day, which is, you know, when I first used to eat, and of course I'm a vegetarian now, so I don't eat it as much, but, uh, you know, a 20 piece chicken McNugget with their hot mustard sauce was, I used to hit the spot. Let me tell you. I have uh, no respect for people who use barbecue sauce as a condiment, by the way. I think yeah. I just, I think I just insulted at least 60% of our listeners, but yeah, barbecue yeah. sauce is not a condiment. Barbecue sauce is a thing that you make barbecue with. And we could spend like several podcasts right now. If you're still listening, shouts out to all of you. But if we could make an entire podcast on like the McGriddle, because I think I, I don't even know if it's still on the menu because obviously I, the McGriddle. Yeah, it's still on the menu. McGriddle McMuffin. And then they have like the McBagel or something like a bagel, whoa, they have a whoa. Bagel thing. <laughs> I've got to yeah. go back there. I mean, I can't eat half this stuff. I, eat, I mean, if I do grab McDonald's, it's usually for like fries to com you know, compliment something else or yeah. uh, to grab like an egg and cheese McMuffin if I'm on the road, but it's been a while. Yeah. I, but I, I, you know, the egg, Mc, the, the, the McGriddle is such a divisive. It's so, it's like you're split down the middle. You either love it or hate it. I've never found anybody who's wishy-washy yeah. about the McGriddle, but I used to love them. I thought they were fantastic. McDonald's anyway. has the best breakfast out of all the fast food joints, but um, oh yeah, you're right. Anyway, is, is the right Without way to segue time. now. Without a doubt. Uh, look, uh, you know, we were both sitting in on Tuesday's Pat Riley presser, and you mm -hmm. asked him what I thought was a great question about this upcoming schedule and specifically about Victor Oladipo, because I think a lot of Heat fans in general are kind of pinning their hopes on Depot's return and saying, this is a guy that's going to bolster you know, Miami's chances at contention. I think you look around the league and the coverage of this team, and that's something that I've been kind of getting into a lot this week. I've had, you know, Rowan Nodkarni yesterday and Giancarlo Navas the day before, and now you, and just kind of looking at the national media perspective, and they're not as high on this team. I think a lot of Heat fans are kind of penciling in Miami as a clear third in the Eastern Conference behind Brooklyn and Milwaukee, knowing that there's always a good opportunity to challenge those two teams. But nationally, I think a lot of people view this team as maybe even a play-in tournament kind of team, maybe a team competing for the fifth or sixth seed somewhere around there, not quite separating themselves from the rest of the Eastern Conference talent. And I think a lot of people are questioning Miami's depth. That's really where the biggest question mark is. Like We've seen Max Struess have great games. We've seen Tyler Hero having a tremendous preseason. But a lot of people are looking at Victor Oladipo as what gives Miami's or what, what raises Miami's ceiling most considerably. And you asked Riley about that. You said, you know, we're expecting Oladipo to come back. And of course, I'm completely paraphrasing here. But can you afford to wait until he comes back and then see what you're getting from him before you decide to make a move? Because a lot of the questions were about that one open roster space and whether or not right. you push the tax apron and things of that sort. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a great question. What did you make of Riley's response? Well, he completely just like he saw my Oladipo question and just yeah. like leapt right over it and just ignored it. Um, yeah. But um, he did say that the 20 game mark was yes. when he wanted to make an appropriate evaluation. Of I've got the, I've got the re right response here. This was his exact answer. Okay. Uh, I think you have to prove first that you're the kind of team that can play at that level and then you can make that investment. We've talked a lot about it and we'd be ready to make a move if we have to. But let's get through the first 20 games and see where we are, end quote. And you wrote about this in your most recent post on the West Side Substack. And I thought yeah. it was a great uh, kind of focus on this 20 game mark that apparently Riley is looking at. 
Yeah, and those first 20 games, um, you know, Pat Riley said, we're not excited for these first 20 games. Yeah. Like, 13 of them are on the road. They've got yeah. five back-to-backs, I believe, in that in that span. That's um, one is an L.A. back-to-back, right? Lakers, Clippers, or vice versa. Oh. And, um, and then uh, during that time, I think it's the fifth toughest schedule. It's what I wrote in my column. You plug yes. my Substack, westgoldberg.substack.com, uh, covering the Miami Heat there. But... Um, yeah, just you, you look into like sort of the advanced metrics of the scheduling and shout out to positive residual, which is a great tool for all of that. Um, and it's not easy. And so what that to me, when Pat Riley said that basically you read between the lines and you say, Hey, if they kind of have a, a less than spectacular record through 20 games, they could look to go make a move. Now, I don't know what move that is, right? Like you could go find a guy on potentially the buyout market, but 20 games in the season really isn't when guys start getting bought out. Um, you would hope that, and mid November is when Victor Oladipo, his surgeon is optimistic that he'll get back around that time to full contact practice. We'll see if that's actually what happens. We haven't really had a real Oladipo update in quite a while. So um, I, it was interesting to me that he he made the 20 game point because I don't know that at 20 games, they'll make a decision on that 15th roster spot, but they'll have a clearer idea of if they need to make any sort of changes. If they're just a, a, a limpy Victor Oladipo away from being where they want to go, yeah. or are they further from that? And I don't even know if the record will necessarily be the real indicator. Like I, I think a lot of fans and perhaps rightfully so would get really frustrated with this team if they started off after 20 games, what, seven and 13, I yeah. mean, that would be disappointing, but I don't think it would be to the team. Again, I think this team has always been very good at gauging something other than win loss. It's about being able to close games in the right way or showing the potential to do things. And for whatever reason, you're going on the road and it's, uh, you know, these are very challenging games. As you mentioned, they're facing the LA teams, Denver, Utah, the bucks, of course, on opening night. I mean, not an easy stretch at all. And you're going to lose some of those games. That's just impossible to avoid that. And so I don't know. I don't know exactly what the barometer would be to gauge this, whether or not it's a success, but I can tell you that I don't think it's going to be a matter of win losses. I think they're going to look at their defensive principles on whether or not they're getting the kind of scoring that they expect from the bench unit and also from their starting, because I think a lot of people are questioning whether or not Miami starters have that kind of offensive oomph to them. So I think they'll be able to gauge what they see as success and it won't necessarily be reflective on their win-loss record. Do you agree or disagree with that? Because I don't I don't think they can afford to just say after 20 games, even if they start off 7-13, and 13, like I said, I don't think that they can just say, oh, okay, we're going to trash this, we're going to make a, a big move, we're going to add another player. Like, I don't think they're just going to be able to pluck a, a player that's available currently or within even 20 games into the season and have that player immediately make any kind of impact that 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 player just doesn't exist or else they would have added him to the roster right now they're willing to pay if they have to but i just don't know who's available that would make a a kind of immediate impact on this team and having said that i don't think that they're going to look at 20 games either and say okay we signed duncan we signed or tyler's in the books already let's trade all these guys for x player like i just that doesn't seem realistic to me yeah i think more what they're going to look at is sort of the measuring stick games against, you know, the Bucks tonight. They've got during this 20 game stretch, Brooklyn, Dallas, Boston, Utah, Denver, the Lakers, you know, the Clippers like there, this there, there are games like that where you could say, all right, let's see how we measure against these teams. Um, right. And I think how you, how you play in those matchups will dictate more of, uh, of where they feel like they need to be. But obviously like 
you know, you mentioned the depth concern before. That is a big concern. And Oladipo is only a part of that. But so is Tyler Hero's development. Um, so is a guy like Max Struess, who Sam Vecini from The Athletic wrote. He thinks he'll be a breakout candidate. Well, they need him to be a breakout player this year because they're relying on him, right? Uh, can Gabe Vincent give you something every other night? Can, uh, you know, journeyman like Dwayne Dedman give you a good energetic 12 minutes? Mar- uh, Markeith Morris, same thing. Like, they need a lot. Uh, from guys who have been out of playoff rotations, who have been journeymen, who are unproven. And look, I mean, the Heat are very bullish on guys like Max Struess. They feel really good about Markeith Morris. I think they are happy enough with Dwayne Dedman compared to what they were doing dealing with at the backup center position in the past. Right. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it's on Oladipo, and, and I think they will. At the end of the day, when Pat Riley says, we'll entertain it, meaning we'll entertain using that 15th spot and going into the tax, it's just going to have to be on a guy who moves the needle in a realistic way. And right now that player isn't out there. So what that tells me is that they are going to monitor the buyout market very seriously. Now, I mean, I suppose that there might be a player available. Uh, One particular name that's been linked to Miami, at least through a recent piece on the athletic uh, via David Aldridge, John Wall. I asked Rowan Notkerny about it yesterday. He wasn't really, I mean, convinced that it was likely and i don't know if that's the right move as far as bringing in that kind of player and winding up having to pay a significant amount of money just to bring that player in are you a believer in wall at this point in his career and whether or not he can make an impact in miami i mean to me that's not really the guy they need right like i'm not really looking at a guy like john wall as the type of guy who's filling in a need here i think Look, if he were to get bought out, obviously he has a, I think he has a place in Miami or he trains in yes, Miami does, yeah. or something like that. Both. Um, I think it would be like a big name that I think would be interesting. And and I guess, you know, Kyle Lowry's age, I suppose, you know, there's something to be said about bringing in John Wall and it allowed Tyler Hero to play a little bit more off the ball in that second unit and things like that. But I, I look more at, you know, wing and wing depth and, and, yep. and front court depth. That to me is what the, what the heat need to address. And yeah. John Wall would be fine, but I, I would rather look in one of those directions instead. This episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and families can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge it's a place you can always look forward to stopping to at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel look mcdonald's is ubiquitous everybody goes there everybody's gone there at some point you can have your different choices and tastes and fast food but there's nothing like coming to the dependable and yet updated taste available only at mcdonald's uh you can stop there after a big sporting event you can go there for birthday parties i remember my brother celebrating perhaps his favorite birthday a seventh birthday party teenage mutant ninja turtle theme that's uh that's going back a ways there but it, at mcdonald's ball pit mcdonald's food mcdonald's everything i used to love their chicken mcnuggets uh head to your local mcdonald's to refuel and reconnect did somebody say locked on heat watch party i'm loving it
here with Wes Goldberg, and we're talking about Miami's upcoming game against the Milwaukee Bucks and previewing a little bit of their concerns for the season beyond just that game because they have a tough stretch through October and November 20 games that are the barometer, according to Pat Riley, for whether or not some roster moves needed to be made. Did you catch the Milwaukee Bucks game? Because they were recording this on a Wednesday afternoon and they played their first game of the season against the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night. Did you happen to watch that game? I did. They looked really good. Like Milwaukee, unsurprisingly, is right off, is, is starting where they left off winning the championship. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. Um, they were dealing with a couple of injuries, um, but yeah, Drew Holiday looked good. They looked like they're just going to hit the ground running again. Yeah, I I was expecting a little bit slower for them to kind of get into it. And I think this is a big question, not just for, you know, the Bucks, but all their teams. Like, what's the emotional motivation? here? Where, where do they find their psychological edge? And I, I think a lot of, like the Bucks in particular, are just saying, you know what, we now that we've achieved this kind of success, we want to continue building on it. They, they were, for so long, they were this team that was always questionable regarding whether or not they were true contenders. I remember we've been talking about this, last year with you on Locked on NBA talking about the season preview and whether or not uh, the, the Bucks were going to be able to actually be a contender. And I think you were pretty strongly against that idea, thinking, you know, that they have the talent, they've had the regular season success, but something keeps them from getting over that hump. Well, they finally got over it, obviously. And now that they're at the top, they kind of look like they want to stay there for some time. And I'm not sure exactly how that plays out over the course of the regular season. Maybe they were just caught up in the vibes of getting their rings and being there in Milwaukee on opening night. But, you know, we've seen in Miami in 2006 that being at home on an opening night doesn't necessarily translate into a victory, uh, even if after you won a championship there. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Look, they shot a lot from the perimeter, 45 three-point attempts, converting 38% of those. Even Giannis taking four three-pointers. Chris Middleton uh, shooting four. Uh, both of them going one of four from the field from three-point range. And uh, Grayson Allen, three of ten. That's a tough matchup for Miami. I, I'm curious to see how it all plays out there because, you know, Miami's starting rotation there. Bam on Brooke Lopez seems to make sense. But then you have Bam defending Giannis. Can you afford to put P.J. Tucker on Giannis? I don't think so. I think it probably matches. He probably matches up better with Brooke in terms of kind of just keeping him out of the paint to some degree or maybe challenging him from the perimeter. That's quite a height difference there, too. How do you see it? Are you looking at any kind of key matchup there in that starting lineup? Well, this is like what I wrote about in the West Side um, this week was exactly why you add a guy like Kyle Lowry and then somebody like P.J. Tucker. Right. was because of that Milwaukee series, because they just didn't have the right amount of size and the right amount of two-way play. And that's why they got swept by the Bucks. is they didn't have those matchups. Like you said, you put ba- – uh, Giannis just demolished any smaller forward that was on him. Any Trevor Reza, Andre Guadalla, even Jimmy Butler. Like he was shooting over 50% when guarded against any of those guys. When he was guarded against Bam, he didn't shoot well. He was like in the 30 percentage range. Um, so I do think you could put Bam on Giannis. And then now, but when the Heat did that last year, that left, you know, Brooke Lopez just open to grab the boards and the, and the Heat just got crushed on, on the boards. And, um, I asked PJ Tucker about the rebounding thing, and he said that's absolutely been a focus for us in training camp and in the preseason. If you if you win on the boards, you win games, and you know that I disagree with that, David. I think rebounding is a loser stat, but the Heat don't. The Heat <laughs> think that uh, rebounding is important, and most NBA teams do. But whatever, I could disagree. Um, uh, so yeah, all of that matters. But now you've got bigger bodies in that front court. You've got a guy like Marquise Morris who. 
I don't know. The Heat have keep talking about him as a guy who can also play center. We haven't really seen that even in the preseason yet. I'm waiting for them to break up the break out the the Markeith Morris at center line. I thought he I played some at the five. I thought I saw some a little bit. Where, yeah, yeah. I, I I think they'd obviously prefer Deadman there. Now they have Deadman. He's been you know around for about a year now. Um, you know, I I think they just feel much better about their size, and and you feel better about a guy like PJ Tucker who's so strong. Um, Deadman, if you want to play two bigs at a time with Bam, um, Markeith Morris, even you feel so much better about those guys going up with Brooke Lopez or even Giannis, uh, the way that Jay Crowder did at times, uh, yeah. in the bubble, yeah. um, than you did with, you know, old Trevor Ariza, old Andre Guadal. Like that's just a bad matchup. So now they match up better. And then when you add Kyle Lowry into the mix, now you've got a guy who can defend credibly in that backcourt. The way and and uh, and this is what I outlined in the column is that you know last year you were always with two you know minus defenders at all times if you wanted to score anything offensively with Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, or Kendrick Nunn like those were just two places in the backcourt that the Milwaukee Bucks could just poke at. Meanwhile, for them, they had Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis handling the ball, bringing the ball up, and poking at those spots, and then being awesome defenders on the other side of the ball. And now the Heat can kind of figure out a, a similar thing because they have Kyle Lowry, who is a great defender. And yeah. obviously we've seen the difference that he can make, the impact that he can make on the offensive end already in the preseason. So all the moves that they made were for this matchup tonight in, in some respects. It's obviously to just get better. They also view P.J. Tucker as a guy who can credibly guard Kevin Durant, as he did for Milwaukee in the playoffs. All of that matters. But really, that Milwaukee Bucks loss, getting swept by them, influenced so much what they did in the offseason. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I kind of look at Tucker. Maybe he seems like he's almost kind of the, the lost name because, of course, Lowry getting, and and for good reason, getting a lot of the recognition that he deserves for his immediate impact. But Tucker certainly brings an edge there. He even talked about it today uh, at, at morning practice on Wednesday that he's had this date circled for some time. He's looking forward to this matchup, even though it wasn't like it was it was a, a bad breakup with the Bucks or anything like that. It was they won a championship it was totally amicable but at the same time he just brings that edge and i keep thinking about what's driving miami and it has to be they kind of have to focus on that use that motivation from that sweep because it definitely left a bad taste in everybody's mouth as far as the roster is concerned but the front office and the franchise in general like to go to the finals and go on that magical run the year before where you're this close where you're a bam and goran dragic injury away from likely beating the Lakers and I'll take that to my grave. I think you, you're, you know, get swept out and you're embarrassed and everybody's talking about the Bryn Forbes outscoring Jimmy Butler and everything else like that. Like that has to drive these players. And, and PJ mentioned to you, you wrote about it in your piece here that uh, that's something that's built as, as far as developing that attitude that you can't go off preseason. You can't go off camp. You can't go off any of that shit. You got to start playing games, winning games, losing games. All that stuff is built over every emotion that you go through over the course of the season, just that edge. And I love the fact that, you know, I'm kind of getting away from it because you see some of the on-court production from Tucker and maybe, you know, it's not glamorous. He's going to, he's going to miss a few layups here and there. Cause he's not exactly smooth with the ball in his hands. That corner three comes and goes. Sometimes he's going to get roasted on defense on defense because well, he's kind of undersized. No, no matter how stocky and sturdy he might be, there's just going to be moments there where he's not going to be able to keep up with great scores like Adedekumpo or, or, or you know Kevin Durant, obviously. But it's that edge that he brings, that Markeith might bring, and certainly that Cal brings as well. So I think it's going to be a really nice addition to this roster. 
Yeah. Um, and look, you, you add a guy like Tucker and, and Lowry, and now you've added two guys with championship rings, right? You've added two championship rings into that locker room. Right. They're the only rotation guys with championship rings. Only Udonis Haslam is the only other player in that locker room who has a ring. Yeah. Um, you know, and we know we, we, we consider the heat a championship organization. We consider Jimmy Butler, a, a championship type of player, you know, him, bam, all, a lot of these guys, Tyler here, Duncan Robinson played in the NBA finals, but they don't have rings. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't mean to be so derivative as to be, you know, rings with a Z type of argument here, but um, that matters. And it kind of goes to what you were talking about and what, what PJ was telling me about what they, what people like him and Kyle uh, bring to the table it's yeah they just they know these little things that it takes and there's a bigger you know when you when you go through an entire postseason and an entire NBA finals and win that championship you have such a great perspective of what the right. NBA season is all about how big right. it is how long it is those ups and downs that PJ was talking about in that interview um, and, and it kind of goes to your point earlier it doesn't really matter what the team's record is 20 games into the season. It's how they handle themselves. It's all these things. And Pat Riley during that media conference just couldn't talk enough about how much he loves PJ Tucker. And that stuff yep. matters, man. Like I know he's old uh, and I, you know, championship experience is sort of a cliche and that's what got, and that's what I asked him about. It's kind of a cliche. What does that really mean? And he talked about it's development in the locker room. It's leadership. Mm -hmm. It's knowing the little things. It's knowing how to handle the long, you know, season and, and how to play at your best, the biggest moments. And that, I think that's what the heat lacked last year, right? They didn't know how to bring it now. And then Milwaukee who didn't know how to bring it against Miami in the bubble came back with a vengeance and swept the heat in that game. And I think the heat are, are very, very motivated to show Milwaukee. And then later teams like Brooklyn and other of these big teams in these first 20 games that they belong back into that title type of conversation. Yeah. I I'm, uh, I'm getting kind of carried away. I'll talk about that in the next segment. I'm here with Wes Goldberg and you're listening to Locked on Heat. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. That's mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind to become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. It's one of the keys to his longevity, the fact that he's now entering his 19th season in the NBA and playing at an all-NBA level. So head to calm.com slash locked NBA, and for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes like LeBron loves, and, and so much more. Sleep stories, meditations, you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription only at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Go to calm.com, that's calm.com slash locked on NBA. For a few weeks now, I've been telling you about sweat block, those wipes that you can use to stop sweat for up to seven days. And people have been listening. I know a friend of mine has been using sweat block. He's a teacher and he had been having some problems with sweating. Didn't like having to change shirts in the middle of the day. Didn't like having his back to the class because he was always worried that someone might notice something or that may maybe they could even start making fun of him. It's a, it's not the way to gain the respect of your students, but now after he started using sweat block, the game has changed for him. He's 
got renewed confidence, no more changing shirts. Everything has been working great for him. It's like a new man and he enjoys being in the classroom like he hasn't in years. So if you want to benefit from something great like Sweatblock, you can go to CVS, you can go to Amazon.com or you can read any one of their 13,000 positive reviews or you can go to sweatblock.com and stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. Their dry shirt guarantee is one of a kind, not just for armpits, but for chest, back, feet, hands. You can use it anywhere, and I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock. Go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off, but only at sweatblock.com. As a reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Of course, we'll be providing the best post-game coverage available every every game. Have comments, questions, make sure to send those in via email or you can always send them via direct message or using that hashtag AskLOHeat. And of course, make sure to please follow the show and leave a review. I'm here with Wes Kohlberg. We're talking about the upcoming season and we're talking a little bit about P.J. Tucker. And I am... I'm starting to get a little excited again, to be honest with you, because I've had like ebbs and flows throughout the whole offseason, kind of peaking when Kyle first or, or Cal, like they kept calling him Cal. Riley did. Did you notice that in the press conference? He kept referring. Yeah. To him as Cal. Yeah. So I, I use I use this uh, transcription service called Otter. I don't know if you've ever used yes, it. Yes, of course. But, uh, OK, so uh, I had it running during the press conference. Right. So it just automatically transcribes Pat Riley's right. thing. And it literally had C.O.W. every time that there was it was Cal Lowry. Cow, cow Lowry. And I was just like, what is this? And then you kind of listen back to it and you're like, oh, he's saying cow. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a Kentucky thing. No, I think it's a, I think it's a Lowry thing. He, he, that's how he said it before. I remember, I remember hearing this in the past that he prefers to have his name, not Kyle, but cow. Yeah. I, I can't sure. do it. I don't cow, cow, cow. Cal, Lowry. Uh, yeah. Let's just think cow of it as K-A-L like, or, you know, like Clark Kent, cow. Okay, well, yeah. Is it, can you just, can you, can you call me Wesley? Wesley? <laughs> Wesley. I'll call you Weiss from now on. How about that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Whatever listeners we have left are gone now. But uh, as far as my overall feelings about this team, PJ Tucker, I think, is a big part of it because so often last year, it just seemed like there was something missing. Like after the, the grind, the emotional toll of the uh, Orlando bubble to come this close, as I mentioned before, and to walk, wind up leaving empty-handed i thought that would provide motivation for this team but honestly it wound up probably just taxing them on an emotional level that they were not prepared for not to mention the fact that there were actual in-game challenges you know from covid and and daily testing and just a disruption of your daily life the fact that you couldn't even have team bonding moments like going to the movies or going out to dinner and things that sort you were basically confined to your hotel and yeah i know there are people already listening to this saying oh but it's four-star hotels yeah, but that's fine if you 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 know arrive at said city at three o'clock in the morning and then get woken up just a few hours later so they can do your daily COVID test so you can actually even go out there and play a game later on that before, and the, later on that night. It's not exactly the most convenient lifestyle. It's going to take some toll on you, and it's just it was a hard, terrible season for a lot of the guys in the NBA, uh, despite the fact that they make a lot of money, a lot of money, or that they're yeah. staying at four-star hotels or anything like that. But uh, as far as just the emotional 
benefit of getting a guy like Tucker. Like they were missing Jay Crowder so much because he was yeah. a guy who could get in Jimmy's face, who would challenge his team, who would challenge other players on other teams. Now I think you're getting that with Lowry, with Tucker. It's such a great emotional edge to be able to take that back and to be able to challenge some teams that on the surface look like they have a lot more talent. Yeah, and that's, I think, part of why they went and got those guys is right. I think the, the the culture that they preach and take so much pride in kind of withered a little bit in the yep. playoffs, and, and they lost a little bit of confidence. And look, you mentioned how hard of a season it was for every NBA team, and it was, man. Like, that was a, that was a grind of a season. Um, but uh, it was harder for teams like the Lakers and the Heat because yep. they had, like, four hours of an off season, like and yeah. I had to go back and, and play. And it was just, and for Miami mostly, cause it's like, they couldn't even say, well, shit, at least we got the trophy out of it. Like I mean, you're right. going through these tough games, you know, three games and, and four nights. And it's like, well, we didn't get to emotionally bounce back in a way that the Lakers didn't have to, right? right. Like the Lakers were riding a high and yep. the heat had to bounce back from some, you know, from a low of, we saw Eric Spolster break down and cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was really, really hard for that team uh, in that bubble. And they had to be like, all right, now go, just go play a regular season. Without fans, you know, like I think right. every player, by the way, realized how important fans are. Not that they didn't before, but right. I think they realized how much energy they get from from fans. Absolutely. In arenas because you just Absolutely. I think you just take it for granted playing in front of fans for your, your entire adult. Well, life you have to shut it off, too. Like you go in there and they start yeah. talking about you, your family and all this stuff. And it's like right. you kind of have to close it off. But when the home crowd is rallying behind you, yeah. like you said, it provides an emotional boost. The Heat are going to be better this year than they were last year, just because of all these things that we're talking about. You, they're they're a team that's first of all 100% vaccinated. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and so they don't have any weird stuff that they have to deal with from a travel logistics standpoint. Um, they're they're coming. They they're motivated in a way that I don't think they were last year. Jimmy Butler is healthy. All this stuff, like they are going to be better than they were last year. They just are. They just flatly are going to be better than they were last year. The question is, how good are they going to be? I love their starting five. I think it's awesome. I was with you in the offseason. I was super high on them as soon as they made the moves. And then you start questioning, okay, well, they didn't really address a lot of depth needs. Uh, is P.J. Tucker really that much of a difference maker, all these things? But, man, we watched them in the preseason. They look good. And I know the preseason doesn't really matter and the record doesn't really matter. I could care less about the record. But uh, they look good. It looks like it makes sense. They finally look – they have an identity that they didn't have before. They plugged in holes. You mentioned right. P.J. Tucker. You know what he's also – it's super big and strong the way that Jay Crowder is. Like you just need a guy who's a little bit of a middle linebacker. Right. And we saw how important that was with Jay Crowder. And he's a hit or miss three-point shooter. Well, so is PJ Tucker. I mean, he basically reprises that role. There are gonna be nights where PJ Tucker wins you a game from corner from the corner shooting yep. threes. There will be. And you need guys like that over the course of the regular season. Yes, there are questions about their depth, but this is, goes back to what Pat Riley was saying. If there is a huge question, depending on what you're gonna get Victor Oladipo back at some point. They're, they might be a contender for the buyout market and things like that. I mentioned to you at the Celtics game, Kevin Love is a guy I've got my eye on. Like these are the type of names that they could be in the mix with if they look good. And I think players want to play with teams like Miami with leaders like PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, and all these guys. <laughs> um, I think that stuff matters. Absolutely. Uh, Rowan mentioned uh, Love as well. I, I just, I can't see it happening just because that would be such a huge sacrifice of money. But if he does wind up getting bought out, like he is such a, a good fit for this team. I know it's, I know it's uh, kind of fashionable to write him off because he's older and he hasn't played a lot of games and stuff like this. And, you know, he has, well, he hasn't exactly got along with his 19 and 20 year old teammates that are clearly at different stages in their respective careers. But I, I think on this team, 
and we've seen it before and, and Rowan made a great point you know Blake Griffin in Brooklyn Nick Batum yes. in Los Angeles when the stakes are higher when yeah. there's a clearly delineated role where you're not worrying about what happens to this team from one day to the next because you're not such a young team with these high ceilings or and potentially low floors you understand exactly what you're going to do on this roster I think he would thrive here and he's played with guys like Lowry and Butler before I think he would be a nice fit here as a respected veteran with a clear voice in that locker room but anyway uh just a few quick hitters before we move on here uh the defense I was curious to get your take on this because I'm I'm curious just as Pat Riley is the defense was supposed to be the hallmark for this team because they acquire Lowry who's so much better than Dragic or none or anybody else at the point guard position you get Tucker even guys like Morris and Deadman after a full offseason the expectation is that they'll be able to provide much more of a tenacious defense than they have in years past but what we saw from this preseason was just an electric offense with Lowry pushing the pace as you mentioned before which do you expect to be the hallmark for this team? Which do you think they're going to be defined for in terms of their success throughout the regular season? Because I'm kind of leaning towards it being more of the offensive in the offensive end of the spectrum rather than defensive one. Oh, I think it's going to be defense. No no question about it. I mean, Jimmy Butler played two preseason games, and he's their best defender. Well, him or Bam. Uh, he's their best wing defender. Um, when, when you've got Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> P.J. Tucker – and Bam Adebayo playing 30-plus minutes per night. I mean, forget it. I mean, who's like, <laughs> who's scoring against that consistently? Like, other than Brooklyn, who is scoring against that consistently? And I don't even know if Brooklyn is, if, if depending on what happens with this Kyrie mess. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to be a top-five defense. I don't, I don't think there's any question, especially when you have, uh, um, you know, uh, guys off the bench like Markeith Morris, Dwayne Dedman, even though he's a little foul-prone. And then I think when you when you make that decision of guys that you want to keep, and I think that was a big part of what Riley talked about in the end of season press conference is finding you know those those building blocks and building around them and on top of them. But mm -hmm. um, when you let a guy like Dragic, who's obviously aging and is not going to get better defensively, go Kendrick Nunn, who is inherently limited defensively, and you let him go, Tyler Hero is young, ton of upside. You heard Pat Riley talk about the upside he has on the defensive end. As he gets older and smarter and more experienced, he's only going to get better defensively. Duncan Robinson is big and yeah. has gotten better defensively. He's not – look, he's still a little flat-footed at the point of attack. I think you can get him into a pick and roll and then blow by him. But the, when, those are guys like James Harden and LeBron doing that stuff. You're not facing them every night. And now you have a guy like Kyle Lowry who you could put in that situation. Jimmy Butler, same thing. Bam Adebayo who you can drop a little bit more now that you have Kyle Lowry on the perimeter and stuff like that. Um, I just think they're going to be so much better defensively. Eric Spolstra's teams have always been good defensively. They always put in a ton of effort, and that's really what defense comes down to over the course of a regular season. Um, I think they're going to be one of the best five defenses in the league. Offensively, I think it's going to come down to whether or not they can make enough threes. So you think that's going to slide a little bit from what we saw in the preseason? I mean, obviously, you're playing you know, second and third team guys at some point. You're having these great comebacks from guys that are no longer even on the team. Uh, do you think it's going to take a dip uh, from what we saw in the preseason? I don't know. I, I love the pace that they're playing with. They yes. still didn't even finish the preseason at like top in pace, but pace is really just how, how quickly in the shot clock you take that shot. Uh, and I, I, I'm less concerned with pace than I am tempo. And they just play with a much better tempo and like a direction. Like they have an idea of what they want to do. And it's a series of, you know, Spolstra's offense, dribble handoffs and, and, you know, kick ahead pistol actions and all that fun stuff. But um, you know, I love the tempo that they're playing with. I just, Jimmy Butler's got to give you something from the perimeter. 
Bam at some point. He doesn't have to take threes. I don't mean to, I'm not obsessed with him, but he does need to be more aggressive with his shot. Um, and, and you're going to need just a really good three point shooting season from Lowry from, and then obviously from Tyler hero and Duncan Robinson, which we expect. And then from PJ Tucker, he's going to have to get hot for spurts. Do they push for a four seed? Let's go through these quickly. Yeah, I think so. Is that a yeah. priority you think for them to have to grab home court advantage? Because I mean, I don't think it is, but I could see that being a priority for this team to want it. Um, I think when, I, I don't think they're thinking about that right now. I think, no, but, but if it gets to the point, I think it's just win as many games as possible. Get back to the playoffs. Be a really good team. You know, put the pieces together. Uh, that's and and you know, figure it out as you go along because you are incorporating major pieces into new roles. Um, uh, but yeah, I think by the time we get into the real playoff push, last month or so of the season, I don't think that they're going to be concerned with rest so much as I, I think they will just try to get the highest seed possible. More likely to happen, Bam as the defensive player of the year or Tyler six man of the year. Ooh. I'll go Tyler six man of the year is most likely, but I, I would put money on both of those. Yeah. Same. Uh, Michael Pena's right there with you. Rowan, unfortunately only picked Bam as defensive player of the year. So I gave him a bit of a six man. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I can't believe he's not even the six man on that team though. Joe Ingles is a better six man. If you're looking at that perspective, Uh, overall thoughts, then are are they, are they closer to a contender or pretender? This has been the question of the week here. Are, Are they closer to being contenders or pretenders? contenders i mean they're closer to being content- look milwaukee is so good brooklyn is so good i don't know that they're better than any of those teams but if they just if they catch them with an injury if you just give yourself a chance which is what they did in the bubble yes what they did that season it's why they made the jay crowder iguodala trade mid-season was just to give themselves a chance yep. that's where the heat are right now they could just give themselves a chance catch a break you know and and suddenly you can find yourself in the nba finals and at that point Look, I love the East. I, I love the East more than the West this year. I think if it's a uh, whoever's on the other side coming from the Western Conference, I think any team that gets out of the East could beat that team. So um, just give yourself a chance. That's, that's it. it. That's it. No, that's exactly right. I, I think you look at more talented teams, and historically, none of that matters. You have to find – there's always going to be some kind of fluke event, whether it's an injury or a suspension or something else, and you want to be that team that puts yourself with the opportunity to capitalize on those. This is what this roster is all about. For all the holes that they filled and all the talent that they've acquired, they still want to be a team that can say, all right, this is our opening. This is our chance. We're going to take advantage of it. And that's why I'm so bullish on this team. I think they can contend alongside the Bucks and, and Nets, despite not having, quote, unquote, more talent, because they're just built the right way. There's a difference with this team than what we saw over the last season. And I, I, I'm a true believer, to be honest with you. But uh, as always, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. And like I said before, we're going to be providing the best coverage available. We'll be there uh, after the game to give you a recap. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Wes, once again, please tell our listeners about the West side. Look, if you're a Miami Heat fan, you're listening to this podcast, just subscribe westgoldberg.substack.com. I spent the last two years covering the Golden State Warriors. Before that, I was David's co-host on this very podcast. Grew up a Miami Heat fan. This is going to be great coverage on the Miami Heat. It's all on Substack. It's delivered directly to your inbox, and it is free. It's free. So just sign up. I'm going to have a recap after every game uh, during the week, a big wrap-up from the weekend on Monday mornings. I mean, it's it's free. You should do it. Check it out. If you hate it, you can unsubscribe. It's that easy. Uh, westgoldberg.substack.com. We just launched it. Had a great first week, and I just I appreciate anybody who signed up. 
and other South Florida sports as well down the line, right? Nothing yes. yet. Okay. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I might do some I'm, Miami Dolphin stuff. It sounds like this Deshaun Watson stuff is is happening, so I might be compelled to write some Dolphin stuff. I mean, look, a lot of Heat fans are also fans of South Florida sports teams, and there's not a lot to look forward to there. But if you do want great coverage of it, then the West Side is the place to go. But thanks yeah. again for taking the time to be on the show, and thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to the show. A special thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, and, and again, thanks to all of you for taking the time to make this show your first listen every day. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Oh.